The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live. If you've just done so, welcome to the show. If you've been with us all morning, thank you so much for staying with us. It is nine minutes after eight, and this morning on the Forum at Eight, we discuss the significant social problem of child-on-child sexual abuse in South Africa. Children as young as five years old are sexually assaulting others. Since the beginning of the year, 200 cases of children practicing inappropriate sexual behavior with other children have been reported and some children even see rape as a game as evidenced in yesterday's front page story of the star in that game called rape rape now children in some schools in the western cape are playing this game and in the game it is reported that apparently boys chase and catch the girls who are willing participants i should add and then they simulate rape on them and the girl when she is raped is then out of the game and this is obviously a very, very disturbing uh, story and which led us to this discussion that we are having today. But earlier this year, in March, Western Cape Police were investigating the alleged rape of a five-year-old girl by two grade two boys at a school in Rocklands in Mitchell's Plain. The five-year-old grade R pupil was allegedly, allegedly raped on March the 4th on the grounds of a primary school in the area, this according to police. Now the girl was waiting for transport to go home from school when the boys approached her and when one hears these sort of stories you cannot help but cringe, cry and and, and just become overwhelmed with emotion because what are we doing as a society? The question we are posing to you this morning on the forum is why are sex offenders becoming younger? That's what we'd love for you to weigh in on. Uh, the lines are open 0891-104-208. You can tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or my personal Twitter account at Sakina Kamwendo or you can send us an SMS to 34701. Let me welcome our guest this morning, Michelle Smith, who is uh, with the Jess Ford uh, Rape Crisis Center. She's a trauma counselor there as well as, as, well as Zenit Osman, who is a child psychologist a psychological uh, counsellor at the Sarki Bartman Centre for Women and Children. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Now, Michelle, if I could start with you, why are our sex offenders becoming younger? Exactly the question that we are asking this morning. What are we doing wrong as a society? Look, I think there's a combination of factors. Um, a lot has changed. The society that we live in is so different if we look back to the society that our parents grew up in. Um, if we just look at media, for example, what we are exposed to is much more violent, much more explicit. Um, children get to see um, scenes of rape and murder and killing. Uh, even our music videos, you know, the, the kind of language that's used, the kind of behavior that's modeled to children is very explicit, um, is also very violent, also could be at most times very derogatory to women. And then, of course, we're also dealing with the process where most times children that are abused become abusers if there's no psychological intervention. So I would say we're dealing with a combination of factors. The other thing is that there's less parental supervision. Um, 
most homes, both parents are working, kids come home, they're unsupervised. Maybe there's either the domestic worker at home or a granny who's much older, or um, they're just going over to a neighbor's house. So they're getting exposed to, because there's no supervision, they're getting exposed to a lot of things that they wouldn't have been exposed to before. But what what can we do as parents, as responsible members of society, uh, Zenat Osman, to ensure that this does not happen? Because, I mean, the mind boggles at the very thought of a five-year-old actually, you know, attempting even to rape another child. Yeah, no, the fact that so many school children knows about sexual activity, and especially such a harrowing one such as rape, is very concerning. But what I can say for parents is that, Obviously, we, we don't have the capacity to have a 24-hour you know, view on our kids every day. However, they have the right and the responsibility to make sure that where they are sending their children, be it a creche or a school or an aunt's place or a friend's place, for when they're at work or busy, they have the right to make sure that this is the most appropriate place for the child. That what the child are being taught there and the values that these individuals have on these kids is what they want their children to have. And also to make sure that, that they know who is the carers for most of the day for those children. So they can make sure that the children are supervised so that they know when they are doing something wrong, we're not going to punish them, but we're going to explain to them that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And then show them the right way. Because children are really a blank slate, and all that they know is what we teach them. And when I'm, what I mean by we is it's the parents, it's the teachers, it's the counselors, it's you know, your, your social environment that you grew up in, it's your friends. So we have to make sure that we are instilling the base values into these children so that they can know that a game like this is not a good game to play. But Michelle, you know, I would like to think that at the very worst, no parent would like to find their child in these sort of situations, either as perpetrator or as a victim. There's no way I would like to think that no right-thinking parent would actually expose their child to this sort of uh, situation. So where is it going wrong? Where is it breaking down? I think, you know, a lot, a lot of times the other thing is that kids have, and if I, uh, we just had a case where an 11-year-old was raped by a 17-year-old, um, just in terms of cell phones as well, you know, kids are exposed to pornography nowadays. And if we look at the process for the younger kids, if we look at the process of the abused becoming the abuser, there is a grooming process that someone who, an adult who sexually abuses a child, that would make that child go through. And it's very confusing for the child because it's normally, you know, somebody that they know, somebody that they trust. So at the end of the day, they end up just perpetuating either what has happened to them or either what they are being exposed to, what they are seeing, either on TV or they're seeing an adult mimic that kind of behavior. And children, um, like Vina was saying, they are a blank slate. There's, you know, there's a social learning theory that says that children learn vicariously through modeling and observational learning. And it's just something that they do almost on a subconscious level by seeing an adult's behavior. Mm. And if there's some kind of reinforcement to that behavior, if there's some kind of positive reinforcement, then of course they're going to reenact it. 
The other thing is we must not forget that for kids who are very young, the reality is our bodies are built a certain way. Biologically, there is a certain amount of pleasure that comes out of sexual act, and that's perfectly normal, but it's just that the child doesn't know that the context in which this thing is happening is completely wrong. But what is the prognosis for a child who unfortunately then has slipped through the cracks, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, um, in terms of understanding what is socially acceptable and what is not? What is the prognosis for rehabilitation for that child? Because it's a child and because we're dealing with, you know, such a, a, um, a young age group, there is a really good prognosis. I've had someone who I've dealt with one of my, my young girls, actually, who was being sexually abused by an adult, a 22-year-old. And at that point, she was then, because she got a certain amount of pleasure out of the act, she was then perpetuating it with little boys. And she did come for counseling. And through that process, I was able to help instill a certain amount of value in terms of, you know, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, how do I treat my body, how do I treat other people's body. And because they're young, the prognosis is really good if there's psychological intervention. And also just looking at the media, and I see we've got Zenit back on. Zenit, I hope we managed to fix that line. Um, looking yes. at the role that the media plays in perpetuating, um, you know, this problem that society is faced with. I mean, what can be done in that regard to ensure that our children are not as exposed as they currently are to what we see sexually? I think once again, it's the parents coming again, because even media, like if we look at DSTV, there is the parental, you know, control section that you can have. And if people are not utilizing it, then the program doesn't become very effective. Um, but I do also see that even if we watch our cartoons, right, the sexual uh, messages that come through in our cartoons is also very explicit. And, and this is what we trust our kids to watch. Uh, there again on the other side where media can be a very, very powerful tool. If we look at the shows like yourself and, and, and other shows that is uh, creating a platform for professionals to speak to the general media and the population so that they can know that these things are not okay and there is ways to counterbalance it. There is ways to say, okay, you know, um, something is happening, but as soon as we start speaking about it and openly and honestly saying that, okay, we are at the wrong as well, then we can fix what is going on. Well, we are seeing in South Africa currently a surge in child-on-child sexual abuse, a very worrying trend indeed. But what can we do as a nation to stem this tide? Because it is something that we are going to have to arrest as a nation. Um, Even if it is not your child, if you see things like these, you have a duty, you have a responsibility to intervene. So I'd love to hear from you. Why are our sexual offenders becoming younger and what are we going to do about this as a nation? 891 that's the number to dial. You can SMS us on 34701, tweet or Facebook, AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. We are in conversation this morning with Zenit Osman, who is a child psychological counsellor at uh, the Saarki Bartman Centre for Women and Children, and also Michelle Smith, who is a trauma counsellor at the Jess Ford Rape Crisis Centre. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 
Thank you for tuning in to the forum this morning. And our discussion this morning centers around children and sex offenses. On the forum, uh, we explore the characteristics and contributing factors of young sex offenders. And possibly if we could come up with some solutions to the problem, that would be great. So the question we are asking is, why are sex offenders becoming younger in South Africa? I uh, would love to hear your views on this. And as I say, possible solutions, if there are any out there are welcome and uh, we will appreciate that. Zenit Osman and uh, Michelle Smith, our guests this morning, 0891 that's the number to dial. And we do have a few callers on the line, so let's take them now. Dylan in four ways, good morning. Um, you know, I would just like to say I'm, I'm a parent of two. Um, I think that um, kids in general tend to reflect society as I, as I see it, I see that kids behave much like adults do, just without the built-in filters um, that we've all learned to put on. Um, but also I think that, you know, to, to point fingers and to have a look at, at, I think that society as a whole has to change, is, is the bottom line. I think that to have children in foreign environments learning from strangers, I don't think is amenable to children and the way that they learn. It would be better if we live, we all live in a community. I think the best solution is to have your kids taught by the people they live with. If mm. that's a larger group, that's perfect. If it's a smaller group, that's fine. But I think that without that, I, don't, I think we're fighting a losing battle. Thank you so much, uh, Dylan. And it makes perfect sense in an ideal world. But we know that we are faced with all of these socioeconomic problems and they also have an impact on this phenomenon that we are witnessing. But thanks so much, Dylan. Uh, Paddy in um, Mwerewa. Is it Paddy? Uh, is it pa- Paddy? Yes. Hello. Hi, Paddy. It's been a Hi. while. See, that's why we're getting your name wrong. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm I'm following on what Dylan has said. To me, the family structure has broken down and we are so busy empowering the woman in the workplace instead of concentrating about empowering the mother in the home. And we've become such a materialistic nation that at the expense of the family, I feel a huge, uh, something that would make a huge difference if we went back to the old way Shops shut at 5 in the evening on Saturday at 1 and closed on Sunday and then parents would be at home with their families. That no. is the problem. You know, I, I, at the toll, uh, I go through in Moy River at 7, there's a, a lady and I say, have you got children? Yes, but she only goes off at 10. That, the mother needs to be in the home. All right. Thank you so much, Paddy, weighing in there. Uh, let me get back to our guests and put uh, what our listeners have raised with them. Um, Zenit, uh, Paddy, let's start with Paddy saying that it's the erosion of this family structure and women's emancipation has come at the expense of the family. And that's why we're seeing the sort of things that we are seeing. I think that society has come a long way with giving women equal rights as men. So I don't think it's it's, it's a workplace issue or a home issue. I think that it, it, it comes with in a human being saying that, okay, if I'm a mom and I want to work, then I have to make my home work and I have to make my work work. So it's just balancing the two and managing the two. Because we can also say that the fathers have to come in because, yes, a mother can teach her daughter and her son all the possible values underneath the son, but it, it comes from the father where he will have a child at a certain age. 
where he will know that what he says holds more weight than what the mother will hold. So if I make an example, uh, a five-year-old son would relate more and better to his father. So what his father is telling him is what he will hold true because his father has everything physically that he has, so he should then act out what his father is doing. Mm. So I think that the family structure has holds both the mom and the dad and then managing the responsibilities of you know, home life and working world. And um, before we go to Dylan, who weighed in on a similar uh, point there, um, this conversation on Twitter, uh, Sandy Leclerc says the technology which these children get exposed to must be monitored and strongly guarded. And Marion uh, Valentine says strongly guarded how when the kids know more about the technology than the parents. Uh, Michelle? This is so true. Uh, You know, in most homes, um, kids know much more than the parents do. Uh, they've they've sort of grew up on iPad and laptop and uh, DSTV and um, Xbox, PlayStation, that sort of thing. So I think, you know, parents have to take a really active role. And, you know, that's what it boils down to is with technology. They've got to take an active role. They've got to, they've got to know what their kids of being exposed to. They've got to check the iPad. They've got to figure out how to put settings on it. They've got to know the, you know, the internet usage. I would say monitor it, be active about it, and also, you know, you are the parent. You've got to take the lead role. So say, okay, you can only be on it for one hour, and then I need you to do X, Y, and Z or you need to go play outside, or you mm. need to do homework. But what do um, they so, do in that one hour? You know, uh, what are they actually being exposed to, even if it is just for one hour? And that's what the parents need to monitor. What are they being exposed to? What Are they playing a game? What kind of game is it, you know? Um, and, you know, the, like Zina was saying, there is a powerful, it is a powerful tool for media as well, because a lot of kids, you know, they are learning... Um, applications, they are learning games, it could help them with their maths, with their English, but it's just at the end of the day, what is what do they have access to? Is that what they're accessing or are they accessing something else and then curb what they are accessing? On the forum at eight this morning, we are asking why are sex offenders becoming younger? Yesterday, there was that very disturbing report on the front page of the Star, uh, talking about a game uh, that is allegedly being played in schools in the Western Cape, and it's called Rape Rape. Now, you know. Our um, production team did go out later and try to get uh, some word from um, some of the people quoted in this article who then came out to deny that this was happening. We then spoke to the reporter who indeed confirmed that this was the case. This game is being played. And I just wonder whether we are doing ourselves a disservice by denying that these sort of disturbing trends and um, you know attitudes are prevalent in our society, in our schools. Uh, and trying to hide our heads in the sand because we know what the ultimate consequence of that is. We expose our posteriors. So something needs to be done and something needs to be done urgently. We have a problem, South Africa. Gone are the days when we were disturbed and telling our children to be scared of strangers. Children now have to be scared of other children if these reports are anything to go by. The Forum at 8 on SAFM.
On the forum at 8 this morning, we ask why are sex offenders becoming younger? And uh, so many interesting comments uh, coming through on my Twitter timeline. Uh, Crawl Evans says, porn, no porn, kids have sex and parents are the keepers of morals, not the TV, not the radio. Children are not puppets, they actually have brains. And then goes on to say that children are sexual and we must educate, not legislate. Teenage pregnancy, uh, Crawl says, has been around for longer than TV has. And what will we do next? Ban cell phones? Where will it all end? This is what the nationalists did. Uh, Is that progressive? Yes or no? And And uh, that's a very interesting comment there. And just a few others to run through. Lynette says, it's due to parents' absenteeism and parents sharing beds with their kids until they are in grade one or more. Kids must sleep alone. And let me park it there because I want to hear from our uh, panel, our panel, whether these are actually factors that impact on what we see. Michelle? Uh, we seem to have lost Michelle there. We'll we'll try and get her back. Uh, Zina? Okay. Unfortunately, we have lost uh, both our panel our panelists. We'll try and get them back. But we do have callers coming through. But before I take them, let me just run through some of the tweets. In the meantime, uh, Beloved says... Kids are exposed to violence, all sorts of violence at a young age and become numb uh, to moral values uh, we don't promote in South Africa. Odiz says easy accessibility of porn on mobile phones and poor management of age-restricted TV shows can result in these uh, teen sex stats. Kokeli says we can blame TV, we can blame social media all we like, but the main characters are the parents and the children. And this one from Chris says, uh, the crisis of masculinity is exacerbated by the wrong narrative and men's disengagement in reproductive duties. But let's hear from our listeners while we try and get uh, Michelle and Zenit back. Tim in Mnambiti, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Uh, Sakina, you said something about an hour ago. You said the short school uniforms uh, are nothing new. And unfortunately, these things are also nothing new. You know, when you grow up as kids, you get exposed to things. And it's funny when you're an adult and you see how we as adults handle them, the same as adults used to handle these issues when we were kids, mm. uh, i.e. Uh, denial, hide your head in the sand, and and try and cover things up. That's why um, these terrible things come back to haunt us like this. You know, when you grow up as kids, kids do these things, but adults don't really do much about it, we grew up with, we knew which teachers were sleeping with kids, we knew which young kids were having uh, forced sex on other other vulnerable girls, on, on, on sometimes uh, mentally unstable girls, and nothing was ever done about it when you look back. So uh, these things are nothing new. Whoa. And th- th- that worries me because, you know, here I was thinking that something has gone wrong, something has broken in society, Tim, and you're saying all of this has been happening all along? I, I think if people are honest, each person will have a story to tell. Ooh, okay, and, and, and I think I'm going to take Tim on uh, with regard to that challenge. If you know of this, you know, going back when, of children, being uh, perpetrating sexual violence on other children as young as they are at the ages that we are seeing now, then please do let us know. Uh, Felix in Nelspreet, good morning. 
Good morning, how are you? Well, and you, Felix? I'm very well, thanks. And morning to the listeners. Yes, my comment is, uh, it, as I said earlier on, um, the society actually perpetrates what is happening to the little children today. Uh, starting from the government, uh, the legislations that are being passed these days, they are actually, you know, accommodating the young children, you know, at the end, at an early age to, you know, to give sexual rights at a very early age. So those are some of the things which contribute to what we see in the society today. TV, television programs as well as indicated, it's one of the, you know, the music that we are getting, they are all influencing the young people to be sexually active, actually. Mm. And where are the parents in all of this, Felix? We can blame, uh, as one of the uh, t- uh, tweets was saying, we can blame society, we can blame uh, the TV, we can blame the radio, but those are not the parents of the children. That's uh, correct, Rwena. Uh, remember, the, 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 lo- the laws are also taking those rights from the parents in such a way that the children have got more rights, you know, to take the parents or not to listen to the parents. The parents are there, but yeah. But which law says that? Which law says that? Because I'd like to challenge parents who say that, and quite a few people have made that point. Which law actually says that you cannot discipline your child? Although I cannot mention now exactly which law is that, but yeah, um, that's my general comment on the whole issue. Parents okay. yes, are, are trying their best, uh, but the children will say, no, look, we've got rights. Um, like now, I've just heard recently that uh, there's a research that was done to allow even the, you know, the younger children or to reduce the age from 18 in terms of access to alcohol. And not so long you might hear that that uh, legislation, whatever law is passed to allow the children maybe below age of 18 or maybe up to the age of 11. I remember around 2010, 2011, where the legislation was passed to allow, you know, the, the, the children at the age of 11 to be sexually active. So those are some of the things which actually influences this. And now children, more children will claim to say, no, we've got rights. You see, even children who are two years, three years, they'll tell you, whenever you beat me, I will go to the police and things like that. So this a scenario actually is existing to the little children in, in such a way that they feel that they've got more rights or they've got equal rights with the parents in such a way that they'll run to the police or wherever. Look, I'm not referring okay. to abuse. Yeah. But, yes, going back to the schools again, you will know that in the past at schools, when you come late or whenever you do something wrong, the educators will punish you. But today, things like that, we hear that they're no longer happening. All right. Yes. Thank you so much uh, for your contribution there, Felix. And um, let me just come back to our panel. Michelle, I- I'm really perturbed by what I've just heard from Felix. Um, you know, talking to the issue of parental responsibility. Um, I agree with Felix, as with Dylan, who made the point that children actually reflect society because we actually teach them we socialize them into becoming certain beings. But when it comes to legislation and that basically stripping parental rights, I, I, I'm very perturbed by what Felix was saying. Um, look, I don't agree that our law has stripped parents of their rights. 
um, in terms if we have to compare our law, if we have to compare um, the kind of rights that our parents have to um, the rights of parents or teachers in a different country, it's, you know, it's so different. You often hear about teachers who go over to teach in England and they talk about how the kids are so undisciplined and they can't do anything about it because they don't have the right to. And I think our country is a lot more lenient in that, that, you know, people in authority, authority figures, parents, teachers, they do have the right and they, they still have the ability to instill discipline. And, you know, law has been put in place because what has happened over time is that there has been an abuse of that discipline to become that, you know, in certain situations it, it becomes abusive. So, you know, the law is put in place for the extreme case. But I would not agree to say that it's actually stripped parents of their rights. Um, but on that topic, I would say that there's a certain amount of responsibility that does lie with government. Because, you know, if we want to instill certain life skills and certain values and moral systems as a nation, then, you know, our kids, there's two environments that our kids are exposed to, home environment and school environment. And school environment, the authority there is government. So, you know, it's so easy for us to put, if we can put a curriculum in place, it's so easy for us to put a system in place where we're starting to teach life skills from a very young age, and that those life skills also encompass a value and moral system. On that very note, Wandi Jim sends a tweet and he says, what kind of environment are we raising our kids in? Are we not cursing? Are we not alcoholics? We are violent. Uh, how do we supervise them when, when, they are, when we are not watching? These are some of the questions that we obviously have to ask. But Desmond in Amanzintoti called us and he says, children are maturing a lot earlier because of some of the things that they are eating now, Zinat, I'd like for you to weigh in on that. Okay, I agree that children are maturing a lot faster. I'm not sure about the eating bit. I'm not a dietitian, unfortunately. But I do feel that what they are exposed to on a daily level, be it at home, in a society, or at school, uh, you know, influences the way we get up. It's also that we have become so reliant on our, on our firstborns. If we think about, you know, if you have your first child and the second child come, so much responsibility goes on to that first child to assist you to raising the second child. So I, I do agree that children are growing up much faster than what I like. But, you know, if growing up faster doesn't have to be a negative thing. It just means that we have to be more vigilant about what's going on. Mm-hmm. We also have to teach them from, from a very young age that, yes, you know, actions have consequences and, and the way of life. But I also feel that, you know... Um, in schools, it is very important that the life orientation program shouldn't just focus so much on HIV and AIDS. Yes, we it's a big problem for us for South Africa. However, I speak to children every day and they would tell me, you know, they are so bored with the life orientation classes because they get to be exposed to the same social issue all the time. So why don't we split up life orientation to look at all those other issues? I mean, I'm very happy to come into a school to speak about domestic violence, to speak about the effects that domestic violence have on children or games such as the rape-rape game would have on the psyche of the child.
And uh, I just want to put a question to you that came through earlier. Uh, in fact, it was a comment about parents who allow their children to sleep in the same bed as they do up until uh, they start school or sometimes even beyond that. And uh, as that, uh, could that possibly be one of the factors impacting on what we are seeing? Zina? Yes, yes, it can definitely. Um, I think our, our children are so clever these days that they know when to act as well. So now we're keeping them in the same bed and, and we might think that they're sleeping and they're unaware of what we are doing as adults, but then they're not. It's also then the way the interaction happens between a husband and wife or male and female is that, you know, what we might take as playful because we can handle it, our kids might see as, you know, this is indecent. So... I do think that, that sexual activity and sleeping in the same bed, even for, for, for siblings, if it's male and female, if you can separate them from as young as three years old, I would say do it. And uh, the, just reading some of the messages that you've uh, SMSed us, this one says, Hi Sakina, our kids get their education from TV. Just see the nonsense that they watch. Uh, there's your answer. Lesala in Mangaung says, The media and technology is easily accessible to kids and parents' apparent unwillingness to talk about these matters with their kids also contributes to the problem. Mveli Diko in East London, uh, your SMS says that as long as sexual scenes are freely broadcast on our television sets, even at prime time across this country then we must just brace ourselves to see more of this problems uh, this one says education system is to blame take sex education out of primary and pre-primary schools we removed religion in the syllabus bring it back that's from lindy it's simple uh, says rose uh, layard uh, pornography on the internet uh, and it will get 100 percent worse uh, when you put it on tv channels and we have failed all the children of this generation. Eddie says, uh, Hi, I blame the SABC sex exposed programs and lack of parenting uh, from us. There are a lot of negative technological implications. I fear for my life. God heal our land. And Douglas in Joburg says, The fact is, pornography is the catalyst of all these problems. Uh, Michael from Uzumbe says, TV teaches children to rape. It seems some children watch TV until the early hours when programs are inappropriate. And Togos. Zani Pagati in Kempton Park also sends an SMS saying, kids are exposed to brutal see, uh, scenes of rape, violence, as well as porn on TV videos, and they act out those very scenes. Paul uh, says, I think it's very ironic what's happening. Everyone's up in arms about the result or the fruit of action taken or not taken to stem the tide of immorality in our nation. We are lopping at the fruit of the tree, a very big tree, yet we have people demanding their right to look at pornography and watch porn on top TV. Mary says too much drunkenness is causing inappropriate role models. And uh, this one from Carol. Carol says solution, remove pornographic and violent programs from TV. Many parents leave TV on all day. They don't monitor what their children watch and parents need to be aware. And uh, those some of the messages coming through and let's just take a few more calls. Uh, Matthew in Amanzimtoti, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I'm listening to all the comments from everybody, and it seems to be that it's always resulting back to the parents not doing yes. their job, and I completely agree with that. Being a new father, I see exactly what my son is able to be exposed to, and the more technology is advancing, and the more there's nonsense on TV and the media, it's beyond any parent's control. The thing that's within their control is how they can limit that. Mm. There's, uh, there's tools at your disposal. You can limit what your kids are allowed to access on the Internet by putting in those limitations on the settings. You can put the same settings into your 
your TV settings to prevent certain channels from being viewed. But more importantly, take control of your damn kids. Don't allow them to watch TV until early hours of the morning. Don't allow them to watch TV at all if you're not in the house. Mm. Turn it off. Take the remote away. There's so many things that you can do, but parents are left relying on the government, relying on media, relying on other things outside of them, and even the education system to teach their kids about sex and other pornography things. It's not right. Take control. The thing is, Matthew, in order for parents to do all that, they're going to have to be there. They have to be present. 100%. So why are they not present around their children? And that's the million-dollar question. And I think it's about time that we stop being politically correct around this issue because, as we can see, we are paying the price in terms of what is happening to our children today. We need to make a decision as a society whether we are going to raise normal, healthy uh, societies and children who are the apples of our eye and, you know, the, 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 the cream of the crop or whether we are going to continue degenerating as a nation. We have got to make some serious decisions here. Rex in Germiston, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your guests and listeners. Um, I think the, uh, the problem of young sex offenders is highly contributed by this issue of single parenthood. Um, I wouldn't apologize the way I'm going to put this. Within this uh, South African white community, there is a proper family setting in, in the sense that the, the, the father and the mother are always living together. But within the black community in South Africa, is where, what we always get is the single parenthood. Where are the men and the women? Why are they not getting married before having kids? Well, I, it, that becomes a different, uh, that becomes one of the issues we are talking about because most times you see this kind of uh, unwelcome sexual behaviors exhibited before kids. It's mostly when the mother engages into this relationship with the, with the boyfriend. And most times, when the kid involved does not belong to that of the boyfriend, most times people don't give a damn. Mm. So not until we begin to have proper family settings where mother and father will be in the same house with these children, these problems and crime in this society will keep soaring so high. Thank you so much, Rex. And uh, a few more tweets coming through. A hundred women says, children don't hear their parents disapprove of or speak against sexual offenses and parents don't teach and converse with their children. Um, This one here, uh, Crawl Evans again says, parents must take more interest in their children and their children's lives and not give them a hundred rand and fop them off at malls because that is also part of the problem that we see. Um, Victor, you calling from Durban. Good morning. Morning, how are you? Well, and you? I'm fine, thanks. My concern on this subject, a very important subject, is that we're so focusing on the symptom, not the cause. The cause is the family structure, as the last caller has alluded to. If you look at the Indian um, settings, Indians are getting married at a young age. 99% of the children are raised by both the father and the mother. So as white people, it is so rare to, to, to meet a, a young uh, white girl pregnant, or Indian for that matter, but it's prevalent amongst us black people. It's, it's a culture, it's the foundation, it's a structure that we need to deal with, which requires leadership, both traditional and political, which is, I'm afraid, it's absent in this era. But we, we, this will continue because that's a foundation. That's the reason for all this mess. And kids are raised by single parents. There's no father head uh, for, uh, leadership. 
Uh, a man is there to provide leadership in the family, he's absent. Um, all women are raising kids by themselves. Even if she, she's career-oriented, she's earning income, it's not enough. There's a role for the man. But we need to tackle these issues where, where they really are. Uh, th- these are just symptoms. But the mm-hmm. real cause is the, is the breakdown of family structure. Thank you so much, Victor. And I think that point has been reinforced severally this morning. Mary says too much drunkenness is causing inappropriate role models. And um, this one from Anonymous says, pardon my ignorance, but is it physically possible for a young boy to actually penetrate a young girl at uh, the age of, say, seven or five? And Michelle, let me come to you. Yes, it is possible. Um, The reality is that from the age of about 18 months, a young boy can uh, uh, get an erection. Mm. So there you have it, Anonymous. Um, it, it is possible. It is happening. And uh, both our experts this morning actually deal with these kinds of situations. But on the score of, you know, what most of our listeners have raised this morning, the family structure, the breakdown of the family structure and its contribution uh, to what we are seeing. Uh, this issue of single parents, uh, would you like to weigh in on that, Michelle? Look, you know, we can we can weigh in on it as much as we would like to, but the reality is that it is something that we're dealing with. Um, you know, we, we can't take away, we can't change the fact, we can't make the father come back. So if we're dealing with, you know, single parenting, then that's the reality of the situation. The issue is with single parenting, okay, how do we, how do we make sure that what's lacking doesn't end up in a child being neglected in certain ways? You know, and then that's when you come in and you say, okay, what, what support system do you bring around a single parent that that child does not get neglected in terms of the fact that the parent has to work um, to bring in income? So I think we got to talk about a solution around that. We can't point fingers because we can't change the situation, but how do we bring a support system around single parents? Mm. And many of you saying that it's because we've lost our religious uh, moral compass that we are seeing all of this degeneration in society. Um, let's get a word from Zenet now. Um, regarding religion, look, I'm a counselor, so I, I try to stay away from religion because all religions and cultures are different. Hey? However, I do believe that religion is a, is a way of life. It sets the boundaries in place and it shows us what is right and what is wrong. I don't think that religion can be faulted because if we take generations and generations back, if we think of the same values being installed, um, then I feel that religion is a good way to go, um, to, to bring your home up in a sense that we, from a very young age and within ourselves already, put the limitations and the boundaries set forth by religion and culture and going with those. And then also, um, I don't feel that a lot of people will say, leave secular alone, you know, just do religion. I feel that if you're going to just teach religion and we leave the secular, then it, we're not teaching what the Bible is saying or the Quran is saying because we are taught from a very young age to seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. And it doesn't tell you specifically what knowledge. It doesn't say just religious knowledge or secular knowledge. But it is telling you to seek the knowledge so that you can live the ultimate life, the best possible life, by being informed.
And that is where we're going to leave it this morning. A really, uh, you know, sad, sad situation that we even have to speak about this at length. Uh, Harsh Property says children in society are a true representation of family values and teaching. And if that is the case, then it is serious, a serious indictment on us as a society. Thanks to our guests this morning, uh, Zenit Osman and uh, Michelle Smith, and to all of you for participating so fantastically as always, and to the production team they made sure it went out loud and clear we'll be back with you tomorrow until then you take care it's nine o'clock and it's time for news with vabakshni chetty